I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It is Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 football podcast. Well, it's actually a Front 2 today. Myself, Adam Boltwood here, alongside the one and only, Statman Dave. Dave, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. We'd, we've never played up front together, have we? But we've been a back two. So maybe we should call this yeah. the back two. The back two for today? Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, Dave, yeah, how are you? I mean, the listeners haven't heard you for, for a while. I've been very busy, I think. That's the, that's the thing. Life has been flying by. Um, Life got has a been new flying studio by. And- all sorts of fun things like that. So it's been live streams on YouTube. Yeah, live streams on YouTube. All sorts of stuffs kicking off. You know, when you you commit to something and you gamble in life, um, mm. you kind of got to go for it. So that's kind of the thing. I've just been working hard on on that. You know, getting the studio ready so we can shoot in it, soundproofing it. You know, buying cameras, doing just general. Like, it's been a it's been a good time um, in terms of work. So yeah, it's just been a bit busy, but hopefully. We can get some time now when we've got the studio all set up and that type of thing to do some front free stuff. Mm, exciting things, big things in the world of Statman Dave. Also, you might say in the world of the front free, but uh, watch this space. That's all we'll say. Watch this space. Uh, for now, though, Dave, we are here to talk about the Champions League. Another crazy week uh, in these second leg fixtures. I mean, I said on Twitter last night, the Champions League is more entertaining than Games of Thrones. It's the best. TV show in the world right now for entertainment, for drama, and of course we saw all of that in Real Madrid Juventus last night. Nothing like a 97th minute penalty, I believe, from Ronaldo to send Los Blancos through to the semi-finals when it looked like an improbable comeback was on the cards from Juventus. Um, how do we make sense of all this one, Dave? Do you think Real Madrid maybe deserved to go through? Should Juventus have been the ones in the semi-final? I think on the first uh, the first leg, to be honest, I would have put Real Madrid through. The second leg, Juventus played very, very well, didn't they? But obviously conceding that late penalty cost them the game, but they did so well to get back into the game. But what we might see, I think, from teams in Europe, you know, the teams left Roma, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, all going to be looking at what, uh, what Juventus did. They had a simple game plan. They were looking to cross to the back post for Mario Mandzukic, isolate Carvajal 1v1. In that situation, Mandzukic came on the back post for two of his goals, and that got them back into the game. Of course, the, the Matuidi goal was a, a bit of all over the place, but at the same time, Juve did so well in their 4-3-3, and that is something that teams can copy, but also getting a target man onto that back post. You think Lewandowski could be perfect at doing that for Bayern Munich. You think Edin Zeko for, of course, uh, you know, Roma could do a similar thing. Um, Liverpool, slightly different how they could unlock this uh, Real Madrid team. But again, 
They've shown against Manchester City how if they can isolate centre-halves, they will tear them apart. And that's the interesting side now. We thought this Real Madrid team had no, no weakness. The weakness that it had... Um, you potentially would say, is if you can isolate their two centre-halves. But usually they're so good at going into those wide areas and defending. Mm. Without Sergio Ramos, Juve really exploited that. So maybe this is a weakness. Maybe with Sergio Ramos back on the side, it's not. But what a game of football. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, that was unbelievable. The last few minutes, um, obviously, Juventus giving away a penalty. Uh, Medi Benatia, uh, the foul on Lucas Vasquez there. For, was it a penalty for you? I mean, some people seem to claim it wasn't, but only because they didn't want it to be, because of the Buffon factor. It seemed pretty clear-cut to me, no? Yeah, it was a penalty. It was a, it was a stupid challenge. And the, the, the frustrating side of that is the Juve centre-halves, uh, Chiellini and Benatti were so good for the whole game. They were brilliant. They defended so well, but that mm. was a big mistake, and that's definitely a penalty. Um, and uh, he did. He, he he lost his head. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, uh, got he, his he first red card in the Champions League. Uh, his post-match comments were interesting, to say the least. I, I think it's fair to say he hadn't calmed down by the time he got in front of the TV cameras. Uh, he'd said it was certainly a dubious incident, not clear-cut. Uh, he said of Michael Oliver, the referee, he should be sitting in the stand eating crisps for ruining a dream. Yeah, harsh words for a young referee and, you know, if we want to support the AR and we want to support referees, it's not really the way that we want to kind of see it from seasoned pros like Gigi Buffon. Yes, he's angry. Uh, Yes, he got sent off. Uh, You know, he's emotional. But at the same time, we have to take it back a bit of a step and say... Is VAR the right thing for refereeing? Mm. I'm not. Too, I'm not too sure, to be quite honest. Um, so, what do you need to do? You need to improve refereeing, and you need to give them, you know, a bit more protection. Um, Steve had a Steve Alson had a um, referee, Keith. Uh, I can't always say his second name is Keith Hackett, the ex Premier League referee, round today, and we were yes. just chatting after the shoot, and he was basically saying. Uh, it was pretty inexperienced from UEFA to appoint him to this game because he's a young referee and this is a massive game and he was slightly inexperienced in in the game and in the decision. Some of his decisions not, weren't great. Oh, I was going to say, did he not get the, the, the big calls right there? I feel Buffon obviously is very emotional. It feels like Michael Oliver got this decision right. We should be looking at Benatia. We should be looking at Buffon. These are the people who have made the mistakes and deserve criticism. Yeah, I think that that and that inherently is the problem that maybe he had quite a good game, but now because of what Buffon said and what the Juventus players have said, the likes of Chiellini coming out and saying stuff that's reasonably childish in the situation, you know, not using his old wise head and thinking, okay, this has happened, nothing we can do about it, but making these comments makes you think that Michael Oliver had a bad game. I think there were some moments in the game that maybe he mismanaged slightly, but at the same time, he let the game flow. He made the correct decision for the penalty. So I, I kind of agree with you. And it's this it's a weird thing that he's actually had a good game, but he's going to be seen as having a bad game. But I think the point was that he's a young referee still and maybe exposing him to this level of the Champions League was slightly too early. We've seen him a few times do it in the Premier League where he's made bad decisions. And of course, all this stuff adds up now and you know he will lose confidence and mm. he will evaluate himself. But I think the going back to my initial point is we kind of have to give referees as much support as we give the players. I know it's so difficult to do because they make bad decisions you want to get on their back and that type of thing. But at the same time, to improve refereeing, referees have to be given respect. Mm. 
very much so. It's one of the hardest jobs on the pitch. I couldn't agree more. Um, my favourite line from Buffon, I do have to say, though, was when he said that Michael Oliver had a bag of rubbish for a heart, which, uh, yeah, harsh words indeed. Uh, what about uh, Ronaldo, Dave? It feels like, once again, he was decisive in this game. We're seeing him peak at the right time of the season because, of course, he's had a poor campaign, I think it's fair to say, so far, uh, yeah. especially in the Liga. But I think now, what, he's scored in 11 games in a row for Real Madrid, uh, 27 goals in his past 14 for both club and country. It feels like he's, he's, he's hitting his peak at the right moment once again. So there's a few things here. Uh, another Ronaldo stat since moving to the Santiago Bernabeu. He's been directly involved in 51% of Real Madrid's goals in the Champions League. 105 goals and 27 assists. That is unreal. That is ridiculous. At the premier competition in Europe, that is ridiculous. But I want to flip it back to you to saying that he had bad form at the start of the season. Or was he correctly managed by Zinedine Zidane to get the best output of Ronaldo at the back end of the season? Well, that For might me, be what we're exactly seeing. That happened. might be exactly what we're seeing. You know, there's obviously in media that rush to judge and rush to make these sort of sweeping conclusions, and maybe we're only now seeing the truth of the situation. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that that was Zidane's plan. For that has been Zidane's plan for the whole season. He's he mentioned it. He did it last season as well. He rest Ronaldo at the start of the season. Ronaldo hated it last season, but then you saw the output we got from him. Again, he's been rested at the start of the season. Real Madrid have been in, in you know, in and out form with their injury problems and so forth. And Karim Benzema's, uh, you know, lack of ability to re replicate the Ronaldo goals, of course, not in the side to do that. I would have rather seen Benzema on the pitch. I thought Benzema was massively missed in this Champions League tie. Um but going back to Ronaldo, yeah, it's, it's perfect management from Zinedine Zidane. Again, showing that he's tactically astute, he's great at man management, and he's great at realising how to get the best out of one of the world's best players. Mm, it's almost like he knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, elsewhere, elsewhere uh, last night, uh, less dramatic, uh, Bayern Munich drawing nil-nil with Sevilla uh, going through 2-1 on aggregate, of course. Um, Bayern Munich, though, obviously, through to the semi-finals, alongside Real Madrid, alongside Liverpool, alongside Roma. Where do you think they stack up? Uh, within those four because obviously it feels like Real Madrid are now the favourites Liverpool probably mm. the dark horses Bayern Munich where do they sit for you? They're their second favourites for me they're ahead of Liverpool they're ahead of Roma wow. um, I think it's as, it's as simple as that I think that what Bayern Munich have with a very inexperienced, a very experienced coach who's done the Champions League before and you know won it there. But also you blend that with the likes of James Rodriguez, that's been unbelievable. James Rodriguez is one of the signings of the season in terms of the the cost, the value for money. It's it's been incredible. You know they got him on a loan deal for like 16 million euros and they're going to sign him for uh, like 25 or something to make it up to 46 million. But that is unbelievable business. In a market where there's no value, to sign someone of Hamas Rodriguez's quality is a big thing. And you look mm. at that and you look at the form of Thomas Muller as well, who's come back into it after um, you know, you know, a bit of a strange spell where he wasn't kind of doing the Thomas Muller things, wasn't scoring the goals, getting the assists. But now back in form, you pair that with someone like Lewandowski, who I mentioned before, potentially could get into that tactical weakness of Real Madrid. For me, those guys are massively in there. Then you put that with the, the former Frank Ribéry, who's back again, which is incredible after you know after failing with Guardiola or not really failing, you know, not being trusted by Guardiola. Mm. Robin looks fit again. You've it's, got you've got the big guy as well, Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, they've got everything. It's interesting as well that you know we saw three of the champions elect in their respective leagues being dumped out of the competition in Man City, uh, in Barcelona, and obviously Juventus, who we've just discussed. Bayern Munich, though, uh, the one sort of champions who are still in this competition, of course, they're 20 points ahead in the Bundesliga. Uh, there has been talk in previous seasons, especially with Bayern Munich, but also those teams I mentioned about how the, the lack of competition in the league makes them ill-prepared for the Champions League. At this stage, 
is this a huge benefit for Bayern Munich to be this far ahead in the league? They can afford to take their foot off the gas. I think it's 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 an interesting side of management of a football club when you know. I take this example from football manager again. Whenever you play football manager and you get to a level where your team competes for the Champions League, you want to play your first team at the start of the season in the league. You want to get such a good commanding league position that in the second half of the season, you can have the Champions League side and then you have your B team winning the league. That's how I see football management and how you should do it from if you've got that quality. If you have 22 players that you can simply interchange between, uh, you know, one plays midweek, one plays at a weekend, and you interchange that from the start of the season. B team plays in the Champions League, A team plays in the, the league, and then flip it around. Obviously, that is a you know an idea that you may never reach because holding on to that amount of quality we saw with Real Madrid last season, they had that quality. That's what they did. That's why Zidane won the Champions League again. But for Bayern Munich, for example, what you're talking about, now they can go out and they can give some youngsters some game time. The likes of Muller, Lewandowski, Ribéry, Robin, only to play one game a week. That's how it has to be managed in this situation. It's not about you know, a points tally, whatever, they've already won the league. It doesn't matter. Let's go. And that's, I think the big thing for Guardiola, we'll probably talk about this in a set, but the big thing for Guardiola is he didn't do that. Like if he was being smart, if he was just thinking about management, wasn't thinking about emotion uh, in terms of City winning the league against Manchester United, he should have rested his entire 11 and he didn't do that. And ultimately that is why, one of the reasons why they've been dumped out of the Champions League. Mm, well, I mean, you mentioned there, Guardiola, uh, you're talking about the game there. We do need to discuss uh, the second leg. It looked like Manchester City might be coming back. Jesus scoring in that second minute to give them hope. Uh, Leroy Sané, disallowed goal, uh, maybe change things um, in this tie. But in the end, Liverpool come through 2-1. Salah and Firmino on the score sheet, 5-1 in total. I mean, you're talking there about where it went wrong for Guardiola. Over the course of the two legs... Where where did his decision making falter for you? It's simple, isn't it? It's playing a back three. It's just stupid. I, I mentioned it. I, you know, I mentioned it to Nico on Twitter, um, and I mentioned it again just before the game, the second leg. You don't play a back three against a front three like Liverpool. It's simple. Guardiola's made the same mistake. He made the same mistake at Barcelona. Did sorry, not Barcelona, Bayern Munich. He did that against Barcelona when they had Messi, Neymar, and Suarez. He went man for man. The reason why a back four is played so much so you have an extra body at the back you have a spare man at the back and that was evident in both of the ties that when Salah isolated someone 1v1 or Mane did or Firmino isolated one of the defenders it was kind of game over for City and the, the weird side of the second leg is that City were awesome in that first half they were dominating and then Guardiola made a tactical change and they they massively dropped off and it just seemed a bit odd. Like It really seemed odd. In the first half, basically, they were set up in a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-3-4 in possession. I'm talking Sterling and David Silva were behind um, Gabriel Jesus. But you also had the two wide players, Bernardo Silva and you had Leroy Sane. So basically, that's a front five. So that was a natural attacking overload versus Liverpool back four. So what you'd see is even if, for example, City went central and they went through Sterling or Silva, they simply went outside outside to Bernardo Silva or Sane and then there was a you know an option to get a through ball in and get a good you know cut back into the box. Or alternatively, if they went wide early, they have these inside runs, these third man runs from the inside from the two attacking midfielders. They were hugely overloading Liverpool's system. I tweeted something like, Liverpool need to switch to a 4-5-1 as soon as they can because in this 4-3-3 shape that they sat in the first leg that worked so well then, it's not applicable anymore. And the, the overload is coming with these the guys that I just explained, the two wide players, the two attacking midfielders. And that was working. Second half comes on and you see Fernandinho playing in, in, in centre-half 
in the first half, it was very much three centre-halves, two defensive midfielders, two attacking midfielders, two wide players. So instead of having the two defensive midfielders, it was just Kevin De Bruyne on his own. Fernandinho was a lot deeper. You look at his pass map, it's, it's a great story of showing how City dominated with Fernandinho mid- mm. midfield and then how they didn't when he was at centre-half. And again, it all comes down to Guardiola and poor management. We can't, we can't not, you know, this is the frustrating thing. Guardiola gets the plaudits when he's doing good stuff. But now we need to like smash him up because he is he's had a stinking week. <laughs> Eloquently, but uh, but it, I mean it is true. It's their three defeats in a row. Uh, the first time that uh, a Guardiola team has been beaten three times in the same season by Liverpool, obviously as we've seen. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you think this raises broader question marks about Guardiola? Because he hasn't reached the Champions League final since 2011 when he last won the title. And now there have been several humiliating, I think it's fair to say, exits at the hands of Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and now Manchester City. I mean, you sort of mentioned the sort of tactical issues. Uh, do you think there is a, a question mark there over Guardiola in a broader sense in this competition? I think he overthinks things. I think that's it. You know, the, the back three in that first leg killed it. He was trying to be too clever. He was trying to outplay Liverpool in central midfield by going with that lopsided system. Uh, you know, with Carl Walker as a right wing back and then Leroy Sonner as a, as a left winger. It was an asymmetrical shape. And the problem there was that they tried to go four in the middle again with a back three. And that's inherently, I keep saying it, the back three started this problem. The back three starts a problem. If he goes into that game, he plays a back four, three guys in midfield, three guys up top. City still dominate possession, but they have a better base to build from. And that's the problem with Guardiola, that he's, he's choked in a massive game where... He's gone with his vision of football when he needs to be more pragmatic. Like, you have to be more pragmatic at the top level of European football. You, you can't just think that you can do it with your one way. Why are Real Madrid so good? Adam, why, why do you think, what, what, in your opinion, why are Real Madrid so successful and why they've been so successful over the, the last three seasons? Uh, the pragmatism you speak of combined with uh, a budget that would blow the minds of most Premier League or otherwise chairmen. See, for me, it's flexibility. I think they're pragmatic, but they're very flexible. They can play the Guardiola style of football. They can dominate mm. possession. They can hold it. They can move it around. They've got bloody Tony Cruz in midfield. 97 out of 100 passes he completed. Incredible. But they can also counterattack. They I can understand. bring on Vasquez. They can bring on Asensio and break. City can't do that. Guardiola can't do that. And that's it, the problem. That he doesn't agree, do that. I would agree to, to, to an extent, I think. Yeah. Pragmatism and flexibility are crucial in order to 
to adapt, as you say, and make sure you, you're giving yourself the best chance of winning these competitions. But at the same time, what makes Guardiola such an incredible manager and makes his team such a joy to watch is that commitment to his philosophy. He, he, his philosophy isn't what it is if he shows that sort of, not a lack of faith in it, but if he shows that sort of flexibility with it, he doesn't have that total commitment, which is what he seems to, to need to create these sides. I think that's interesting, but I also disagree with that. I think that what you can do with the system that Guardiola's built in terms of how it's zonal and how that's how they govern their defensive shape and offensive shape, you can defend like that. You don't just need to attack like that. That's the big thing. He's got the players playing in a very zonal way where they can move the opposition around by the use of the ball. The problem that they've not got on is how to use that zonal system effectively when they're defending. You look at the game against Man United, Pogba making two forward runs and then being pulled out of shape by you know one offensive run by Jesse Lingard and um, some morgue of movement for Alexis Sanchez. Like It was too simple. Like When you get to the final third against City, they're really poor and zonally what they should be doing in the penalty area is being a lot more compact but also tracking runners and they're not doing that and again yeah we can say Guardiola is this Guardiola is that yeah he plays really good football quite frankly I find it boring sometimes I find it really boring watching a Guardiola team because they they don't it's not an exciting team it's not for me it's not an exciting style of football I like counter-attacking football I like fast football I like direct football in a certain extent and we need the, to have a discussion Guardiola. with Nico's here, I feel. <laughs> That'll be, there'll be some fireworks. Um, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's a discussion. It's, it's about overall flexibility in football. And if you look at football as a game and where it's going, it's to be ultimately flexible. It's to be ultimately fluid between formation, system, style. Hmm. You should uh, be able to play every single style that you, you can play. You can comprehend. You should be able to play long, long ball football as much as you should be able to play out the back because football is all about solving problems and different problems. And the problem with Guardiola was he was trying to solve a problem one way and he didn't mm. think outside that's what he almost thinks like he's so ingrained in this style now that he can't actually think I, I i do agree to extend but at the same time as i say i think that focus and that commitment is what makes his team so dominant and i think we're we are going to see most likely see break the points tally the record premier league points tally um but which they've incredible achievement. but they, yeah, they've ultimately failed, Bob. Th they've failed. They've not. They've not done what they should have done in the Champions League. Don't tell me you can't spend. You know they spent what nearly two hundred million quid on a new defence and a goalkeeper this season. Well, yeah, and they've, I think they've the, dropped out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals. Well, I think that's, that, that, that's, that's what so brings poor. the question marks. Though. I think that's. I don't think you can just ignore his achievements in the league. I don't think you can diminish them. But I agree that the performance in the Champions League for a club of City's level for a club who have spent that much, it is not good enough. And I think part of the reason Guardiola is there, ironically, even though we mentioned he hasn't won it since 2011, is to win the Champions League and bring that trophy to Manchester City. As you say, I think it's interesting that in a broader sense, he has failed in this competition consistently over recent years. So it'd be interesting to see what happens next season. If he does show pragmatism, if he does evolve, or if he does show a sort of different side of his thinking, I think that's what's going to be interesting to see how that evolves next season. Um, but we do have to talk about Liverpool uh, as well. Obviously, an incredible win. Absolutely fantastic. 5-1 on aggregate, as I mentioned before. For you, do you think they can go all the way in the Champions League? Are they sort of the dark horses? Um, I'd say Roma are the real dark horses. No, we can't look past Roma and what uh, Di Francesco's done over there. You know, you, you probably, if you go back to a few podcasts, I was banging 
banging on about him when he was at Sassuolo and the great job he's done there. Um, not really kept, kept, kept such a track of him at Roma. I think his signings have been very good. Whenever I've watched Roma, they've been very good in terms of their central pressing. I watched the game against Chelsea in the Champions League this season and they were very, very impressive. You think about Roma, they came out of a group top. They had Chelsea and Atletico Madrid in. So that's they're the dark horses. But Liverpool, can they go the whole way? Of course they can. They've got someone like Mo Salah that can score one chance he scores. He puts the ball in the back of the net. The composure for to chip the keeper in that that instance was incredible. You pair that with the work in central midfield. Of course they can go there. Trent Alexander-Arnold was brilliant as well. Fantastic display against Manchester City. The composure that fella has on the ball, I'm just so jealous. 19 years old. He's just a you know a super talent in a way. And England should be taking him to the World Cup. They should be making, you know, they should be already looking to build a position for him, whether it's in central midfield, whether it's at fullback, where he's excelled for Liverpool. Um, but he's a talent. And I think the Liverpool team, they are a little bit underrated. Now teams now teams will start to figure them out. The pace is a big thing. Firmino's movement is a big thing. Uh, the fullbacks getting forward is a big thing. So it's going to be interesting. I think they... I think they're ultimately going to lose to Real Madrid or Bayern. But Ooh. this season is already a success for Liverpool Football Club because they've got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Well, and they could be happy. They, they, could, they could count it in now. And they're third in the league, which is an improvement. They've also you know, got to the semi-finals. So credit to Jurgen Klopp. Credit to his development, his coaching of players. You know, always been a big fan of Jurgen Klopp, of course. I can't really show that since he moved to Liverpool. <laughs> uh, but he's right. a great manager. You, he knows that. his shit. And what he's built now at Liverpool is it's an evolution of his own style, yeah. which I think... That's the most exciting thing about Jurgen Klopp. He's gone from playing this pressing, heavy metal football everyone talks about at Dortmund, mm-hmm. and now he's built something else at Liverpool, and that is impressive. Guardiola hasn't done that. Mm. Uh, equally impressive was uh, Roma's comeback against Barcelona. Uh, many thought they were dead and buried after that 4-1 first leg defeat at the Camp Nou. But they became the third team in Champions League history to overturn a first leg defeat of three or more goals. Uh, Deportivo de la Coruña and Barcelona being the others, of course. Absolutely incredible comeback. Dave uh, Costas Manolas with that crucial goal in the 82nd minute. Uh, there were tears in the stands. There were fireworks. There was all sorts going on. A fantastic win for Roma. How did they pull this off? I'm not going to lie to you, Adam. That game really upset me. Why? I was having a great night. I really enjoyed the City-Liverpool game. And then that, that result comes in. I've got money on Barca to win the Champions League, and, and they've just been they've just lost a four one winner. They've looked the four one winner. You can't be upset. Look at the joy on no, Costas no, no, I'm, face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Adam, I'm sorry. It upset me. It really got to me, and I'm, I'm and I don't want to I don't want to hear anything more about it. Unfortunately, Adam. Everyone I didn't, else enjoyed I didn't like it, Dave. Everyone else enjoyed it. I'm sorry, I'm, Adam. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talk to me briefly, then. Barcelona. <laughs> They were, they were way below par. Was there, there seemed to be sort of a tactical switch where uh, Roma, for the first time I think this season, went with two up top, uh, Patrick yeah. Schick up there alongside Dzeko. Was that the difference in a way, freeing up Dzeko there? Uh, well, it was more about styles and, and uh, systems. You take it that Barca played a 4-4-2 this season. How you counter a 4-4-2 is obviously play a 3-5-2 and that's what Roma did. Great energy from fullback, great energy in central midfield is what they have with the likes of uh, Nangland and Strootman. And, you know, as you mentioned, two strikers caused Barcelona a lot of problems. But I just don't understand why how they've lost this game. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But again, it's another tie that Barca have been dumped out when Lionel Messi has failed to score in both legs and ultimately hmm. need some more input from some of the other players. Maybe starting someone like Usman Dembele would have been a good thing to do. His pace could have been good. You know, again, it's all about systems and tactics. Valverde has been nailing it with this 
442 diamond kind of shape that he's got going on. But at the same time, a 4-3-3 against the 3-5-2, again, it's that 3v3 at the back. If he sees that early doors, why is he not switching? And again, it goes back to that ultimate flexibility that I was talking about before that Guardiola just doesn't have. And that's why he's a fraud of a manager. Do you think, I mean, we uh, did a podcast at the start of the season about how uh, Barcelona are in crisis. Uh, looks obviously now, considering they're not uh, beaten in the league yet. But, I mean, you sort of alluded to it there with Guardiola. The ultimate barometer and metric of success for these clubs is their performance in the Champions League. This is the trophy everyone wants to win, right? Barcelona, does this sort of expose the, the issues and the sort of deep-seated problems that, that there is at the club? I mean, you sort of alluded to it there. Is the burden too heavy on Lionel Messi? Their transfer policy hasn't given the squad enough balance, enough quality to, to be up to his level and help him. No, I think it's it's just a transitional period. I think all great clubs have them. I think Valverde's the right man to do it. I think what he's done so far with with Barcelona and how he's absolutely smashed up Real Madrid in the Clasico game and he's dominating La Liga is the right way to go. But again, it's like you mentioned, it's maybe moving the side on. Someone like Antoine Griezmann will evolve the team and will improve um, Barcelona. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I think he's the right man. I think it's all fine. I don't think it's down to necessarily down to transfer policy. Coutinho was a good signing. Dembele was a good signing. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the, the fullback is the issue. But again, like there's so many, there's hardly any fullbacks that are of that quality that you need to win the Champions League in world football. So maybe it is down to this next wave of, of kids coming from the youth academy. But I don't think Barcelona are in bad shape at all. I think it's, again, it's a massive overreaction for the media. They've got dumped no. out, yeah. But at the same time, they're smashing La Liga. And Are you not applying your same lens of criticism to Barcelona that you've applied to uh, Guardiola and Man City? No, because I think Guardiola and Man City, it was more that City have put themselves where they've spent the big bucks. They've mm. pushed themselves out there. Mm. And it's more about, like, I don't think that was a, you know, Guardiola over the two legs cost him that tie. Valverde didn't cost him that tie over two legs. He had one bad leg. The first leg he dominated. Guardiola couldn't say that. that I think that's the difference. The Guardiola's uh, methods have cost City in the Champions League this season. Valverde's methods have got Barcelona to this competitive edge right now. And I think that's the difference, that you can see the, the difference in coaching of Barcelona this season versus last season. With City, you can, but at the same time, he's fallen out the same way that he always falls out, which is something he needs to work on. Let's talk about the draw tomorrow. Obviously, it's all going down tomorrow, 12 o'clock. Uh, who do you think is best placed? Is it Real Madrid for you who are the favourites? I mean, you talk about Bayern being second. No matter who they draw, a Real Madrid just peaking at the right time for you as a team as a whole, and therefore, they are champions-elect? I think they are champions-elect. I think to, to not say Real Madrid are massive favourites for this Champions League is crazy. They're going to win it. It's as simple as that. Um, I think Bayern Munich may be the other team that can beat them. I mentioned the Lewandowski tactical weakness in at the back post that could be exploited there. Um, in terms of Roma and Liverpool, it's it's about, I think Roma are the, the weakest side. I think Roma are the ones that you want to draw. If you are Liverpool, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, I think you want to avoid Real at all costs. I'd love to see Bayern Munich, Liverpool. I think that'd be a really good game of football over two legs. <sighs> uh, as a fan, I'd, I'd like to see that. So I'd like to see Roma play uh, Real Madrid and I'd also like to see uh, Bayern versus Liverpool. That would be my, my favourite draw. And I've, of course, I'd probably see Bayern going through to the final, Real Madrid going to the through to the final and having that big final, it's going to be really, really tasty. That would be tasty indeed. Uh, before we go, um, I just want to get your thoughts quickly, Dave. The Champions League, I mean, I mentioned at the top of the show, it's more entertaining than any TV show out there. Why 
has it become this way in recent years? It feels like there's comebacks, unprecedented goal fests. It's just incredible. It's a cycle of European football, and that's the thing. I think the Champions League's always been excited. I've always loved the Champions League. You know, when te- when people talk about, you know, maybe 2010 into Milan as a boring side, they weren't a boring side. They're a very interesting side. There are also some very good, interesting sides in that tournament. For me, the Champions League has been the pinnacle of world football since I, I've sort of really got into football. That it's been the top for me. I prefer the Champions League to the World Cup, to the Euros, to anything. Champions League is the pinnacle, and that's why we're seeing such exciting games because the level of, uh, you know, coaching, the level of players, it's, you know, it's, it's we're just in a phase of football that's, that's good. Um, I hope the World Cup doesn't ruin that. Is there anything in this theory about the, the art of defending, declining? We're seeing so many goals. We're seeing these incredible comebacks. As I say, goal fest. Is there anything? Does that hold water for you? No, I don't think so. As Deportivo, like a run you showed against AC Milan, if you if you want to score some goals, you'll score some goals. I think it's. Um, I think the level of defending in, in European football is still very good at the top level. Uh, maybe there's a bit of a bracket between the top level and, and the not top level, like the medium level, should we say. You know, there, there could be a bit of a, a gap there between the likes of Sergio Ramos and someone like Dejan Lovren. But at the same time, it's always been there. Like if We're looking at it in a very strange light where this gap of top class defenders has always been there. That's why defenders uh, you know, are, are very valuable in a team. So... I don't think there's changed much, to be honest. I think the, the goals are good. I think it's always been good, the Champions League. And it, it's good that we're in an age of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. That's the other thing as well. We've got two wonderful players. And to embrace them and to enjoy them for their career is what you need to do. It's not about who's better. It's just about enjoying them, the footballers. And the competition and, and everything on the whole, even if your team gets dumped out, it's about experiencing that level of football. Mm. I mean, it's fair. Messi's better. Um, it is incredible, though. Uh, we, we just all be glad how entertaining it is. We hope the semi-finals are just as entertaining. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us. Uh, where can the whole find you before the next podcast? Um, on YouTube, Statman Dave. Turn that notification bell on. Simple as anything. We're probably doing some more live stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, so if you didn't check it out as well, I did a live stream for the Juventus versus Real Madrid game. Um, it was a lot of fun. Go and watch it. It's like two hours. So just, you know, at the weekend, just when you're, you're feeling a bit down, watch the whole thing back, get yourself a little stream, legal stream up on the thing and just match it all up with the, with the timing. I've told you the timing on the, the stream. So it's all, all fun. Lovely stuff. Right, guys, we'll see you next time. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.